The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The text for our meditation this morning are the words that were read for you earlier, both from our Old Testament reading as well as our Gospel reading. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for bringing us here this first Sunday after Christmas. May your words to me be a blessing to each and every one who is here, that we may indeed rejoice that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was born, that he might ultimately die for us. So be with us and bless us, that we may share the good news that our Savior lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. It is so good to see you here today. Now, you may think that as you look around and think, well, there aren't as many people here as there usually are. Well, let me just simply say, if you weren't here today, there'd be even less people. So thank you for being here. It's really good for us as Christians to be able to celebrate Christmas because that's really what we're still doing. You see, it's kind of interesting that for our secular world, and so many people, they look at Christmas as December 25th. That's it. Christmas is over. But in the church, it's actually the beginning. You know, that's kind of one of the fun things that shows that the church is actually what we refer to as countercultural. We do things different in the church. And our society sometimes says we're crazy, and that's okay. Because it gives us an opportunity to give them a message and tell them what it is we're celebrating and why we celebrate. We celebrate because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born on Christmas. The church year, if you will, began back at the beginning of December in what we refer to as the season of Advent. It's a Latin word that means he's coming. It's a time of preparation. We prepare to celebrate Christmas. We prepare for Christ's return, and we look forward to that awesome and wonderful time when Christ will return in glory. And so on Christmas Day, we began our countdown to the end of Christmas season. And that'll be next Sunday when we celebrate the epiphany of our Lord on January 6th. You might be familiar with a song that kind of goes like the 12 days of Christmas, you know? Um, does anybody know what today is? What number? Six, okay? So on the sixth day of Christmas, okay, you have six geese a-laying, right? Six geese a-laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves. And a partridge in a pear tree. Did you know that that song, 12 Days of Christmas, was actually written in England to help teach what the Christian church actually believes? Six geese a lame was actually to help teach the six days of creation. The five golden rings were teaching about the first five books of the Old Testament. And those first five books tell us important stuff, right? They tell us about the creation, 
They tell us about the fall into sin. They tell us about God's promise to send a Savior and so much more. We're going to even hear about that second book of the Old Testament in Exodus, as we heard earlier in our Old Testament reading. The three has to refer to the Trinity. The two, the law and the gospel. The one, the partridge in a pear tree. A partridge is chosen because a partridge is a bird that is willing to sacrifice its life for its young and pretend that it is injured when there's a predator coming. Helps us to see how our Lord and our Savior was willing to come to die for us, for all humanity as well. So we are here on this first Sunday after Christmas to remember that this is still the Christmas season and that's why we are continuing to celebrate and sing some Christmas songs and learn some new Christmas songs. Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. It reminds us of how much God loves us and that's part of the reason why we gather together as sisters and brothers in Christ. Now we did sing a song that was just right before this this uh, sermon that really doesn't seem like it's really a Christmas song, right? Um, but it's a song that we sang because it's based on the scriptural verses that we just heard as a part of our gospel reading. And you might remember the story about a guy by the name of Simeon, right? Simeon, we are told, was a man who was a devout man and he looked forward to the day of the consolation of Israel. It doesn't say that he was a priest, a Levite, or anything. It says that he was a believer, a believer in God's promise to send the Christ, the Messiah, the one that God had promised to send years and years before. Well, Luke is a historian, and that's why he gives us this important message about Simeon. But you might also remember that we heard from Luke earlier on Christmas. And even in the season of Advent. During the season of Advent, we heard about a couple of appearances of the angel Gabriel, right? The angel Gabriel went to Zechariah and said, you and your wife are going to have a baby. And that would become John the baptizer. Then we had also the angel Gabriel appear to Mary and say, you're going to have a baby. And the Holy Spirit is going to conceive that baby. Obviously telling us about Jesus. And then an angel appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, you need to take Mary as your wife and told about this amazing, immaculate conception. And so it is that we have Zechariah having that message from the angel. We have Mary having the message from the angel. Joseph receiving the dream. And now we have in our gospel reading, the story about Simeon. Simeon was blessed to have the Holy Spirit give him direction. Tell him before he died, God was going to let him see this Messiah, the one that was promised, that people had waited for centuries to arrive. 
but he knew that he would be blessed. And so it was on that one particular day that Mary and Joseph appeared to do what God had commanded his people to do in the Old Testament. Do you remember the story that we heard that was described in Exodus 13? It's what would happen on the Exodus when the angel of death would pass over the homes of the children of Israel that had taken the blood of a little one-year-old lamb and put it on the doorpost. But the angel of death would kill the firstborn male, human, animal in all of the Egyptian homes. It was the tenth plague before Moses would ultimately be able to lead the children of Israel out of slavery. The Old Testament story of the deliverance by God of the children of Israel from slavery, when the angel of death passed over their house through the waters of the Red Sea, and ultimately when they would walk through the, in, across the Jordan River into the Promised Land, is a story of deliverance. It's a story that helps us to see how God rescued his people. Just as in the New Testament, we read the story of how God rescued his people when he sent Jesus into this world. And how Jesus ultimately came to rescue you and me and all humanity from our sins. And it wasn't with the blood of an animal. It was the blood of Jesus Christ himself. As he hung and bled and died on that cross for your sins and for mine. It is because of what Jesus would ultimately do that the people of the Old Testament had to take an animal and sacrifice that animal to thank God for sparing that firstborn male. So each and every time a male would be born, the parents had to bring an animal, whether a lamb or two turtle doves or two pigeons, the 40 days after that child was born as a sacrifice to God, saying, God, if this animal had not been sacrificed, my son would have been killed. Aren't you glad we live on this side of the resurrection? But that's what the people had to do. That's why Joseph and Mary were there in the temple to offer up this, these animals and to present Jesus as a God's gift. So you and I are here today thanking God for the blessings that he has showered upon us. And think of it this way. Mary and Joseph would have been in the temple. They would have offered up the sacrifice and no one would be the wiser if the Holy Spirit had not promised Simeon that he would be given the gift of having this Christ child. And so we have those wonderful words that Simeon said when he held Jesus in his arms. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now there's three important points I'd like you to get out of what Simeon said in what we refer to as the nunc dimittis. Two Latin words that mean now let us, let me depart. The first is Simeon sings as a spirit-filled servant. The second, Simeon sings about salvation for all people. And the third point, Simeon sings of a peaceful dismissal. Let's take those one at a time. Simeon sings as a spirit-filled servant. He sounds like Mary. Do you remember what Mary said when the angel appeared to her in what we refer to as the Magnificat? My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Like Simeon, you and I are here this day, servants of the Most High God, because our God has called us to be his sons and daughters. Not that we would be kings and queens, but that we might be servants. Servants of God in thankfulness for what he has done for us. And so Simeon speaks also as one who has been given this gift of faith, who now too says, God, thank you. Now let me depart to serve. The next one, Simeon sings about salvation for all. Do you remember those words that John the baptizer said in remembering what the prophet Isaiah had foretold? He said, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And that's what Simeon says too. My eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Jesus came to save, not just you and me, not just everyone who believes in him, but everyone who lives. Jesus shed his blood for all people. As we hear those words in John, for God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Thankfully, you and I can rejoice that Jesus has come to die for all, including you and me. Now, last but not least, the third point is that Simeon sings of a peaceful dismissal. Now, notice he does not ask to be dismissed. He thanks God that he now can be dismissed from God's presence because God fulfilled his promise. God fulfilled his promise that he gave to Mary God fulfilled his promise that he gave to Adam and Eve. God fulfilled his promise that he gave to Simeon. Now, there's a couple different ways we could actually understand what does he mean by those words. One is it could be a euphemism for death and point toward the end of Simeon's life. Oftentimes, Simeon is portrayed as an old man 
We don't know how old he was. What we do know is he said, I'm ready to die, Lord. Right? And that's really what the second point may be. He's ready to die. But there's also another point. And that's something that we pick up in the church in the liturgy. The church in the liturgy oftentimes will sing the nunc dimittis after the sacrament of Holy Communion has been received. Many of you remember singing this. We don't sing it that often now in our worship services, primarily because of time. But it goes like this. Now let us, now Lord, now let us, all thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Alive to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people is It's a song we sing, not because we think we're going to die once we leave, but words we sing, thanking God that he has blessed us with being able to not only see the Lord, but to taste our Lord's body and blood as we receive it in the sacrament of Holy Communion, to strengthen us in our faith, to forgive us of our sins, and to equip us as we go out into this world and share with them that Jesus Christ, our Lord, lives and loves each and every person we come in contact with. Because he died that they too might live. And so it is, sisters and brothers in Christ, as we gather together, we remember and we celebrate what God has done for us. But before I wrap this up, I also want you to notice there's something else that Simeon says. It's not words that are praise to God, but they are words to Mary. Mary to tell her what will ultimately take place for her, why she would need to be consoled. Because he says that there will be, through this child, the fall of many in Israel, and also the rising as well. He does not explicitly point out that the cross is yet to come, but he infers that in what he says. So on this other side of Christmas, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us go forth from here, going forth in peace, knowing that our Lord and Savior lives, and he sends us out to serve. Amen.